find truth and preservation of our soul shine i can feel it yours and mine close your eyes and witness it inside in your bones you will know trust and let go let it flow Welcome to another episode of All Things in the Name of Love. And today I have with me, and we've already been talking a couple minutes before I started the record button, an amazing soul that I'm already connecting with. Uh, her <laughs> name is Nicole Kerr, and she is Kerr, right? Yeah. Perfect. Um, and I'm going to read her bio just to give you a little up, up, under an understanding of who she is, but I already know she's an amazing human being without even really... Like, I just feel it. Okay, so she's an, she is an award-winning health expert and national best-selling author of You Are Deathless. And she has appeared on CNN, PBS, CBS, ABC, The Food Channel, and a host of other TV and radio shows to share her unique perspective on wellness, nutrition, and spirituality. For the past 30 years, Nicole has worked in all sectors of society, including government, centers for disease and disease control and prevention, nonprofit, military, academia, healthcare institutions and hospitals, corporate settings and private consultation. Today she is pursuing her vocation as an eternally an eternity advocate and public speaker. She is 100% disabled veteran. Thank you for your service. Registered dietitian, nutritionist, certified neuroemotional technique practitioner, energy medicine enthusiast, and her favorite credit <laughs> credential is BTDT. Been there, done that. Oh my gosh, honey. I, I love- And I put it on my book, okay? BTDT. So I you love can, it. You can steal that from me. Anybody can. If you have expertise in something, put it out there because love to it. me that trumps any education or any alphabets that you have after your name. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I get it because like I've had a diverse, I've been in academia, I've been in consulting, I've been self-employed, I've done all of the different things to try to find the deepest expression of my soul. And so I get that journey and I want to speak to you about yours because I know I can already sense that you've had quite a Oh yeah, it still is. <laughs> Yeah. So mine basically started with a near-death experience when I was a, only 19 years old. Oh. And, you know, I think one of the things we don't talk about is death. We are a culture of death denial. We think it's morbid. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to plan for it. We don't think it's going to happen to us. And I can guarantee you, it is the only thing that is the most common shared experience with everybody on the planet is that you will die. It used to be death and taxes, but a lot of people are getting out of taxes. So uh, it's death now. And what I really want to tell people and why I came back and my memory came back 20 years later is to tell you not to be afraid of death. Mm -hmm. Okay. That you do not die. Your soul 
goes on. And you need to know this and know matter what your previous religious programming has told you about God, that God is dual and he's loving and kind, but he's also got these rules. And if you don't play by the rules, you're a sinner, you're a bad person, the wrath of God is coming on you, you're going to be judged and you're going to be condemned. That part is all man-made. Every bit of it. My experience on the other side was God is love, period, end of sentence. The other stuff is um, created so that we can stay in fear. And if we are in fear, we are not going to have clarity when we make decisions. So we're not going to make decisions that are for our highest and greatest good. And the other piece is you can be controlled when you're living in fear all the time. So that is not of God. So any organization or church or whatever it is, theology that you're you're looking at, if they uh, have the um, proclamation that God is fear, then that is not of God. And if you go back to the 1600s in the Bible, actually fear was meaning awe and reverence. It did not mean scared like it does today. Mm -hmm. And most people that have NDE experiences feel that awe and reverence for the God energy and love that they feel when they cross over to the other side. Mm -hmm. I haven't had an NDE, but I remember when my dad died, um, I looked at his body. He was in hospice and I couldn't see him. I'm looking at the body. I'm like, where's dad? My mom's like, what do you, he's right there. I'm like, no, that's not dad. And then I felt. Yes. I was like, that was dad. And so that shifted my understanding because I'd already sensed, like always sensed that there was something more than this. Um, but to actually feel my dad leave his body in into the universe and scatter across the universe was like a, oh, now I'm remembering. Yeah, because we get something called spiritual amnesia when we come into uh, this planet and when we're born in essence, we all get it, okay? No one doesn't have it. We have forgotten where we came from and who we are. And at that soul level, you are infinite, Think about this. You're infinite. You're powerful. You're radiant, limitless. Okay. Glorious and eternal. And that is that part of you are deathless is your soul is eternal. And that's why I'm calling myself an internality advocate because it's everlasting. And William Faulkner actually used that word in one of his novels. So it is a real world, I did, real word. I did not make that up. I that. But I really want people to know that they have nothing to fear when they cross over to the other side. And there mm -hmm. is so much fear because of a lot of the generational uh, passing down of religious beliefs that are fear-based. And you grow up in that. And then you think you're bad or you're sinner and you're going to be eternally separated or somehow you're going to hell. Mm -hmm. And I'm just here to tell you on this other side, it's nothing but love. And hell, actually, when people say, is there a hell? I go, hell no, it is on earth. People, right. the 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 conflict, the, the um, 
the murder, you know, the way we treat other peoples and, and Mother Earth and sentient beings with such disrespect and dishonor and yeah. conflict and war that, you know, to live over in a bombed area with out knowing where your food is going to come from, or even if you have a toilet. I mean, these are hellish conditions to live in. And anybody that's been in poverty or homeless, they know that that is hell on earth, you know? So I really want people to understand that that is all man-made gibberish to keep you in fear because you're going when your soul, like your dad did, you have to remember we're all energy. We're all energy bodies. And upon death, our energy body cracks open from the top down and our soul flies out. And that's what happened to me in the car crash that I was in when I was 19. Mm -hmm. And for your viewers that are on YouTube, I don't know if you can see that picture, but that is a 1965 Corvette convertible. I was the passenger in it. Another cadet was driving. He was drunk. And needless to say, I was pronounced dead at the scene. And it it was an angel that came down and took me up. And when I went up is when my soul flew out of my body to go with him to the Mm -hmm. other side. Mm -hmm. And then when I came back, the EMT later told me because I was unconscious, he told me that when he got to me, I was covered up with a blanket. They told the bystanders told everybody I was already dead to just work on the other guy who had minimal injuries. And he said, Nicole, uh, I told them, look, he was a former Navy SEAL, hard ass. I call, I, I make the call. You don't tell me this woman's dead. So he said, I, I pulled the blanket back. I did something called a sternal knuckle press, which in the healthcare industry, it's something that is done to you to elicit pain in the body. And the only thing that he got was that my right eye flinched and the pupil dilated. So at that moment, that saying our eyes are the window to our souls, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. my soul came back in through my eye. Wow. And then they put these mass pants on me to push up all the blood uh, to my organs mm-hmm. and they could get a blood pressure now of 60 over zero. Well, regular right. is about 120 over 80. So right. 60 over zero is pretty much life and death. Yeah, yeah. And then they, they proceeded to do CPR for the, the next 20 minutes in the ambulance mm-hmm. uh, until they got me to the nearest community hospital. I didn't even get to a trauma hospital. This is just a community out in Colorado Springs where I was a cadet at the United States Air Force Academy. And so uh, their goal that night was just to stabilize me. And it took them all night to do that because I was just going in and out of of death. So, and for people that don't know about CPR, that's a long time to do CPR on somebody. So um, he is one of my angels. I believe in angels. They come in many forms. These were human forms, and I credit him, my doctor, and my nurse that were with me all four months in the hospital, um, plus my mother as angels that came and assisted me. And then there are angels like Casper the Friendly Ghost that I talk about in my book that are on the other side, and they're in angelic form, and they're real. And uh, you have to remember when you cross over, you're not in your human body, you're in that soul form, right? That energy form. And so on the other side, you get information through 
vibration mm-hmm. and through telepathy. And it's like I heard a conversation of two angels next to me. And it wasn't in English. I don't understand even now how I can translate it back into English, but they were saying how we need to ask for help. They There's a whole spiritual realm of angels and guides that are working on our behalf and want to help us. But because we have free will, we have a choice, we have to ask for help. Mm-hmm. And it is very hard for us to remember that they're there to help us, even with the smallest thing like finding a parking space. But mm-hmm. if you get in the habit of asking for help, you will get the evidence that they are working on your behalf. And it may not look like you think it's going to look, mm-hmm. but it will be even something greater if it doesn't look like what you actually requested. So all of us have a guardian angel that we're born with. And some of us have more than one. Some of us have a team of angels. I actually have a team of them now. So get to know and develop a relationship with your angels. And it doesn't have to be, it's as simple as angels, please help me X, Y, Z. Get to know you. What is your name? You know, something that's simple. And then be open to different signs. Okay. Because they work in signs, whether it is through another human being or music or uh, butterflies or you know, electricity going on and off, things like that, that are, you're going, where did that come from? You mm-hmm. know, when you, when you kind of question something and you yeah. go, that's a message coming through and you need to be open to receive it. It is so fascinating to, um, to me to talk about telepathy and, and opening myself up for vibrations because I'm a former academic, I'm a recovering academic. And, um, so my, my head brain comes in, but like when I feel something resonant, my whole body chills. Mm-hmm. And when I ask if I'm standing up and I ask my, my heart to tell me what a yes feels like and what a nose feels like I tilt forward or backwards, depending on the yes or the no. And the more I do that, the less I'm relying upon this. I have, and speaking to the not being able to comprehend, but knowing trees and rocks and boulders talk to me. Mm-hmm. It's not a language, but it's 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 a sensation, and and even when they do have a communication with me, I don't know what the communication is. It's a sense of what they're saying, and I think as we keep surrendering to the journey of uncovering and remembering who we are, all of those gifts are coming online more, so we can connect more easily. Yeah, and that's one of the the lessons. There are actually 10 lessons that I talk about um, from NDEs. And if we could learn these lessons now while we're on earth and put them into practice, you don't have to die to get them. They're very, they're very easy and they're very much common sense kind of things. And they're all positive. And right. the first one is we don't die. The second one is love is all that matters and the source of all that exists. So we talked about that meaning source being God, creator, whatever you want to call it is love. And there's nowhere that God is not. It's not something external that you have to go through to get to God. Like I was raised, you had Southern Baptist and Lutheran. And in the Baptist church, you have to take Jesus as your savior in order to get to God. And my experience on the other side was that when I was enveloped in that white light, And that was all I had remembered for 19 years before my memory came back when I was working at the CDC. And I'm just going to read this little part from my book, but 
Um, rays of brilliant white light flooded me from all sides. Streams of light cocooned me, wrapping every part of my being in a chrysalis of soothing waves. Instead of the pain of impact, I felt rocked and held. This was bliss. On the other side of death, when I left my body, God had been all around me. God was in me. God was me. And I was God. God was presence and fullness and oneness. And most of all, God was love, pure, no strings attached. Isn't that wonderful? No strings attached, mm -hmm. open arms, love. Yeah. In fact, in that state, I had not suddenly received forgiveness from a stern father for my mistakes. My mistakes didn't even exist. They never had, and nothing I had done on earth needed to be weighed and measured. Mm -hmm. There's no judgment on the other side. Mm -hmm. The life I had just left behind told a story, yes, but just one of many I had lived in different realms. And I honestly felt like an astronaut floating in outer space filled with wonder and awe. So we do have a life review. Okay. That is one of the lessons. So we learn how everything we said, we did and thought in our physical life here impacted ourselves, others in the world. So mm -hmm. we need to be very mindful of what we say, think, and do on planet earth. When we interact with others, with sentient beings and with the trees and mother earth, because that is all part of the life review. And if you can get this message to be kinder and more compassionate and more loving and, and, uh, not only to yourself, but others, you'll realize there's no judgment the way we perceive judgment, but you have to quit judging yourself, first of all, in order to love yourself. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but we are the hardest people on ourselves, the criticizing yeah. and judging yeah. ourselves. And the one thing I want you to take out of your vocabulary is the word should. If you oh. say to yourself, I should do this, or right. you should do that, or you tell your kids they should have done, they should have made an A instead of a B, right. or why didn't you should have done your homework? Mm -hmm. That is a very shame-based message with one of the lowest vibrations that you can create. And every time that you say it to yourself, you are just dissing yourself. So take it out of your vocabulary, catch yourself, become aware. That is the first step in behavior changes is listen to yourself. And how many times you say, I should have done this. I should have done that. Just you're doing the best you can. So give yourself a break and replace it with, you know, I'm going to pull that back. I'm going to rephrase it. And I'm going to pat myself on the back for catching it. Mm-hmm. Catching it is like such a big component, like, because when you have all these ingrained behaviors and programs that I call them, um, having like, oh, wait a minute, like, I just noticed something that I've been saying that isn't real, but it's something that I think is real. So how do I reframe it so I can change the behavior that I'm having so I can be more of the light that I am? Yeah. And those are called limiting belief systems mm -hmm. and they're popping up like popcorn for everybody right now. Yes, and are. you can either, if you can choose to look at it and deal with it and awaken, or you can just train what I call trance out, meaning compulsively overeat. You drink mm -hmm. too much. You binge on Netflix, you go shopping, you stay busy, you do anything to escape and distract yourself from actually having to look at yourself and to transform because it is not easy 
to look at yourself and your behaviors and to change yourself and to to actually go deep and deal with the pain uh, and maybe suffering that you didn't want to feel when you were six or 16, right. or, but way back in your past, you just right. covered it up. You just ran right through it. And guess what? Your body holds on to that. I mean, it does oh. not, it does, it remembers. I mean, there's oh, a great yeah. book out by Dr. Vanderkolk called uh, The Body Keeps a Score. Oh, yeah. And it, and it does. And when you start experiencing physical issues and the doctor's can't figure out what's wrong with you. Let me tell you, that is a red flag. Somebody in the universe is trying to get your attention to look at mm-hmm. this, your spiritual belief systems or your environment could be triggering it or right. your lifestyle. Right. And that is one of the things in the wellness world. And I've spent my entire career in wellness trying to be, I was a di- dietitian initially, but then I went on to be a wellness director in a hospital. And I will tell you, you can know all of this stuff, but as soon as you get triggered, boom, this prefrontal cortex gets hijacked by the amygdala back here, your fight, flight, or freeze, that's survival. You don't stand a chance, man. That thing just goes, and you're you're back at a six-year-old level trying, or 16, trying to, to understand why you're reacting to this set of circumstances as a 50 year old going, how can I be doing this? And why am I eating this pint of Ben and Jerry's, Uh you know? And I'm just like, that's just it. That's why I got out of dietetics and went into neuroemotional technique is to understand Mm -hmm. that you can know all this information, even the smartest people, but we all have emotions. We have repressed Mm -hmm. and depressed Mm -hmm. and they need to come up and they need to be cleared so that you can get in alignment with your body, mind, soul, and spirit and get grounded and have a higher vibration. Yep. And since you brought this up, I want to talk about energy medicine as a tool for helping with those subconscious beliefs. I do this um, fascinating practice of some somatic embodiment Mm. where I'll like, I'll give an example. I, perceive that I've been anxious most of my life. So I've woken up with panic attacks in the middle of night. What I do when I, they're not, they're not like they were for 40 years. Um, So if I feel something in my heart in the middle of the night, I'd wake up and I'm present and I just feel into it until I feel the energy dissipate. I don't even like tell us, I like my mind loved to get into stories and love to do inner child work. And one day my little inner child said, will you leave me alone? Mm-hmm. Stop, stop doing the investigation. Just let me feel. Yeah. Because once you feel you can release the emotions and you're not attached to the emotions because you're not attached to a story. You're just letting your body feel the feelings. It is so liberating. As they say, the issues are in your tissues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's also different, uh, like your vagus nerve. There's a lot of information now about our vagus nerve and the dysregulation with that mm-hmm. and how even just holding it like this and breathing through that can help put you in a parasympathetic state to get you out of that sympathetic, which is that fight, flight, or fear, right. because you're not resting, you're not digesting your food and you're just like wired. And so many people, if you're living in a state of fear, especially if you're unconsciously living in that, fear usually goes with the other emotion of worry. And when you are worried and fearful all the time, guess what? Your spirit can't even 
it, it can't get through that density right. to even help you realize, hey, we got to let go of some of this fear. This is irrational. Most of our fears are irrational right. and they're caused by these limiting belief systems that aren't even ours most of the time. They're generational or ancestral or past lives that we're carrying forward. And it's time to wake up and deal with them and move them through us and let it go and do what we came here to do as a soul, which is to be light workers, bridge workers, to raise the vibration and elevation um, of this this planet, because we are in a really um, we're in a tough time right now, mm -hmm. and there is a lot going on, and in terms of energy right now, and it's first thing is stop watching the news. Okay, you, you've got to get rid of these negative inputs yeah. that are coming at you, these barbs, you know, mm -hmm. and you got to get rid of toxic people. And I don't care if they're part of your family, mm -hmm. you know, just because they're your family doesn't mean you owe them uh, anything more or less to keep taking criticism, judgmentalism, right. uh, any of that kind of stuff from them. And it's one of the hardest things to do is to realize when I came back, I didn't come back for my family. I came back with a new contract to help people not to be afraid of death. And that's one of the hardest things because my family still believes religiously in the Southern Baptist uh, theology and the Lutheran theology. And that's fine. Right. But they don't believe my experience because it doesn't align with theirs. So we have nothing to talk about. They right. see me as uh just like way out there and rainbow sheep a rainbow sheep yeah that's what i call myself yeah. a rainbow sheep because yeah like, and, my and, family and, feels the same way it's like okay what happened to her she she went to california and she went crazy i'm like well no i didn't go crazy i started taking body talk classes because there's a quantum healing modality that i was guided to take and now i get to work with animals and they talk to me when i do sessions like that's crazy but it's not yeah. And it's evolving. And that's what we all came here to do is for our soul to evolve. It's not to stay in the same bubble right. that you were raised in. It right. was to get out and experience life. And it took this near death experience for me to do that because I was so seeped in um, people pleasing, especially mm -hmm. I'm a recovering people pleaser uh, with my father. You know, I was just the only reason I was at the military academy was to please him. Wow. You know, I had not one military bone in my body. My soul is like, what are you doing with an M16 and a 45 pistol? You, you just, you know, I was like private Benjamin. I was a joke, wow. you know, it wow. was, it was just, it was so hard. And yet I couldn't quit because in our family, you couldn't be a failure. You couldn't quit something oh. if you started, especially oh yeah. if it took, you know, to get into these service academies is no easy feat. Right. There's, you know, and so to, to be selected and then you get up there and say, oh, I don't want to do this. No way. I, I just the shame, the humiliation, the embarrassment. There was absolutely, Sophia, no way that I could face that. And um, hence, hence the so, divine intervention. Yes, but it was it was a very brutal one, let me tell you. And then I tried to leave a couple more times because I loved the other side. I didn't want to come back. And I thought, why do I want to come back in that body? And I could see my body from the other side. It was in a ditch and it was a corpse. And I said, it's all mangled up. I don't know what my life's going to look like, what my injuries are going to prevent me from doing and limit me. Mm -hmm. But 
not only that, I went back to embassy and now I'm going to have to live with my mom and dad. Uh, and for a year, I'm going to have to depend on her to learn to walk and to feed myself. I couldn't do any of those functions of daily living. So I developed a very codependent relationship with her at 20 years old. And that really was uh, challenging uh, to have to unwind from that. And yeah. and so, you know, there's things that happen in our lives and it's taken me my entire adulthood. So 40 years, I mean, 20 of them. I didn't have the memory, so I didn't know what happened on the other side. So I was seeking, yeah. you know, to physically get better. And I was seeking different churches because I knew something was off, but I didn't know what. Mm -hmm. And then when my memory came back and people go, why do you take 19 years to come back? And I'm like, you know, first of all, with trauma, you got to feel safe. And mm -hmm. if you don't have a safe environment, your body's not going to release it or you're going to wind up in the nut house. I mean, it is some of the trauma is so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Secondly, you have to have a support system and yep. you have to have the resources to deal with trauma because it is uh, there's a lot that you have to, uh, to someone has to hold a space for you and contain mm -hmm. and be there for you. And I've got complex PTSD now, so I have to deal with my anxiety and manage that. Mm -hmm. but the also and this may sound a little weird to you guys but we have spirit guides as well and my guides finally said at 19 the accident happened in 19 now 19 years later you're going to remember it because it's time that you get on with your mission of remembering and start telling people what is on the other side and there's nothing that they have to fear right. everyone and everything in this world is connected because we're all energy and we need to learn that and need to learn that you know, in the military, we would say we all bleed red. It does not matter your sex, your religion, your race. None of that matters when you're lying there wounded. Okay. It is just about saving the person and you don't right. care anything about their politics or, or right. any of this stuff that we, we um, decide we don't like somebody or we judge them because of that. Right. Um, loving ourselves. Uh, and others, this is the most important thing that we can do here on this planet. And I mean, truly loving yourself, not just getting manicures and massages, but to really unravel all of that uh, yeah. negative self-talk yeah. and to do the work to transform yourself mm -hmm. to where you understand that there is nothing wrong with you. Even, you know, your physical body is never going to be perfect, but to love that piece of you that has been able to survive whatever you have survived to get to this point. And yeah. even if nobody else loves you, you have that open arms for yourself and love yourself. And that's why I think pets, people love their some of their pets more than they do other humans, because pets have a wonderful way of providing unconditional love. Right. And I will tell you, they do go to the other side. So you will yeah, see your pets that. there, um, along with your deceased loved ones. They are over there as well, but they're not in the form and they're not in the story they were on earth. Mm -hmm. So like my grandfather, who later revealed to me, he was my angel that actually uh, came and got me um, on my paternal side. He he came and he said, I saw the abuse you were undergoing at the academy. I know your soul and you didn't want to be there and you couldn't quit. So 
I help get you out of it. And I will be with you until you transition again. And he was an alcoholic when he was on earth. He died at 58 years old from a massive heart attack. And I was 58 years old when he came to me and told me that information right during the month that he passed away. I just published the book and I'm like, couldn't you have told me this? So I could have gotten it in the book, but, (laughs) but you know, it was really weird because I was just sitting meditating and I started smelling cigar smoke and I'm like, where is that coming from? And then I heard this, Nicole, this is your grandfather. And I was like, now, where is that coming from? And, and he said, you know, it's time that, you know, that I was the one that brought you to the other side and I will always be with you. And he has been. And I, like I said, I've had a couple more near death experiences while I was in the hospital. I actually coded a code blue on the operating table during a operation where they were giving me a colostomy because I had so much uh, infection. I had sepsis uh-huh. and gangrene uh, from all the fiberglass, the dirt, the debris, the feces. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I coded on the table and they called the time of death and they told my parents who were in the chapel praying that I had expired and it was time to deal with the funeral. And then two minutes later, the surgical nurse runs back in and tells my my mother and dad that my heart started up again. And I remember I left. I was trying to go back to that light. Mm -hmm. That's where I was wanting to go back to. And my angel James caught me, said, no, you got to get back in your body. And there's a reason why you're going to have to go through all this and you have to just trust us. Mm -hmm. And then I tried to leave again. There was another incident where I just was like lungs filling up with fluid. And I'm like, I'm out of here. I'm just not going to, you know, so, you know, it's interesting how the spiritual realm works and we don't have even, I I mean, even the ones of us that have been over there, it's only an inkling, but it really is absolute beauty, loving kindness, light, and this peace that passes all understanding. It's not the doom and gloom that writers write about Mm -hmm. or that we make into a very negative situation, you know, and I always, I believe in prayer because prayer is energy, but I believe in praying for someone's their highest and greatest good. Cause That's I don't exactly know. Right do. I don't know what that looks like. You know, right. they may need to pass. They may need to, mm-hmm. they're in so much pain. Who am I to say, keep them alive here? Right. You know, so that is how my prayer life has evolved to say, okay, you know, bless them and may it be whatever they need be for the highest and greatest good of all. Mm-hmm. And, and that brings me peace because I'm not in charge. Right. Thank goodness. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Like, nope. Don't want to have any control over that because I can't predict what the highest good is for anyone else. I don't even know what my highest good is. So I just ask for the highest good, whatever (laughs) it is. Yeah. I can sense things. I have that one of the gifts is I have clairvoyance and um, the, the nuances to that are that I can feel and see and know what's going to be happening while I still get to be in the present. So even though I know something that's going to, I, I already feel and know what's going to happen in the next three weeks. I already know it, but to be present now in the present yeah. while yeah. I'm in the state of transition is really, is fascinating and curious. And it's really like guiding me to like, okay, where am I now? Am I outside of this moment? Yep. Am I outside of this moment? No. Okay. Now I'm present. And so it's, it's a journey of, because when you're present, you can feel more and you can actually experience the gift of beingness 
that I think is yeah. one of our greatest gifts is to, you know, we have all these gifts and skills. What are we doing in this moment to, to experience? Because there's a difference between being a human being and a human doing. Yes. We're really yes. good at human doings, but we're not really yeah. good at being human beings. That's exactly right. And we also need to become more soul focused instead of physically focused. Mm -hmm. We have put so much emphasis on the physicality part of right. uh, the wellness wheel instead of the spiritual and the soul part. Right. And, and, you know, I want to say to your audience, we never know when our last day on earth is going to be. We don't, you know, I didn't think I was going to die at 19. Those poor little kids at Sandy Hook, you know, didn't think that, that was going to be their last day. Their parents didn't even the, the massacre up in Maine recently, right. you know, right. we just don't know. And if we actually lived with that awareness, mm -hmm. we would be more present, which is what right. you're talking about. And we would live in a more meaningful, deeper, kinder, compassionate, mm -hmm. um, considerate, loving deeper way. And this is what I want people to understand is it, you may not make it home tonight. Mm -hmm. You don't, we don't know that, but if we could live in that presence and be that way to every person that we meet along our path, thinking this may be the last time I see them, my God, what a different world this would be. And living through the heart. Yes. The heart. Yes. That is so, I, um, I had an experience a couple of weeks ago where I'd forgotten to pay, I'm power of attorney for my mom and she's got dementia and I'd forgotten something because life. And I called the person to like make amends to what was going on. And I said, look, I'm so sorry. I just, you know, I've just been dealing with a lot of stuff. I'm going to be moving soon. I, I just forgot. And I'm so sorry. And she said, oh, honey, I know exactly how you're feeling. And I just started crying. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, I'm talking to a person because I was open enough to be like, I am just so like, you know, it's in one of those states, like I know everything's okay, but like when you have to open up and be like, I totally dropped the ball on this and it's because of this, this, and this. And I didn't realize that I was being affected by this, but I was, and please have compassion. She was like, oh honey, I gotcha. Like, don't worry about it. Like, I hear you and I'm grateful that you admitted this to me and I have so much compassion for you and we'll take care of it. And I'm like, thank you so much. I just started crying. Well, that's, you were actually being vulnerable. And that yeah. is something that our society doesn't reward. It is seen as a weakness if you're vulnerable. And I want to tell people that being vulnerable is one of the strongest characteristics that you can develop. Mm -hmm. uh, in my book, I was very vulnerable. I put in there about having an eating disorder um, and I had it for 20 years, you know, and it was a result of not getting mental health help. Right. My, parent, my parents, you know, the doctor said... Uh, uh, when I got discharged after four months in the hospital, Nicole needs to see a psychiatrist and a psychologist. She has been through major trauma. Yeah. And my mother said, don't worry, we have Jesus as our psychologist. And which I, is true. And <laughs> and let me tell you, Jesus never showed up on my sofa and said, Nicole, let's talk about your anxiety or your depression. Right. Um, and you know, and I think when we just say these things like Jesus is going to take care of everything or God's going to take care of everything. It dismisses it. And our body's response to trauma when it is not dealt with and healed is going to be in an unhealthy way. It maladapts to it. And yeah. for me back in the eighties, cause this happened in 83, 
um, it was compulsive overeating. And at the core root of that was I hated myself because my parents blamed me. I broke my dad's rules. Oh. I smoked, I drank, and I was with another cadet. And the first time in my life as a sophomore, I was having some fun and I got slammed. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it really is something that I, uh, I felt shame about. They blamed me into this day they still blame me that I made a bad choice. I got in a car with a guy who had been drinking and, you know, I deserve quote what the consequences were. And I think that's a lot of that generation. Um, yeah. And he was also military, but it was, it, it stayed with me all these years. And it's been very heartbreaking when a parent can't be supportive and loving and forgiving and instead need to rationalize and justify uh, why something happened and that they were right. And he, right. my dad told my siblings, I have three siblings, this is what happens when you don't listen to me. And so, you know, talk about fear being instilled in you as a little kid. That's what I've lived with fear my entire life. Uh, and that's why I wanted to be such a good girl. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, you know, what did it be in a good girl get me? It, it's like people right. that have distressing near-death experiences. And there are people that do. It doesn't mean they're a bad person, you know, or that you have an NDE because you're a good person. Right. But good, or, good and bad are terms that we use here on earth. They're not used on the other side, but we right. use that in order to uh, justify things and to um, help put labels on things here, but they don't exist on the other side. Right. Right. I completely agree with that because, because I feel that love, like the, every time I meditate and I do a heart meditation, I know how loved I am. And it's not like I'm, I, I am special, but I'm not because it's available to everyone. Yeah. The only difference is I'm actually consciously trying to do it, like connect with it. And when I feel it, it's like, if I let my mind, because again, mind is really well trained to like, think of the worry and the anxiety. I'll say, okay, what's going to happen tomorrow? And they're like, why does that matter? What are you doing in this moment? And in this moment, there is nothing I need. Yeah. Nothing. I have yeah. everything I need. And so why does what I need tomorrow matter? But yeah, that's, that's a that's very good so question. Much, it's so much programming that we have, like, oh my gosh, well, something's due in two weeks or something. Like, well, a lot, everything, the world can shift on a dime. It does. And so look at Lahaina in Hawaii. I lived in Hawaii for 17 years. I mean, that whole community was wiped out in a fire in a couple right. hours, Right. you know, and, and people killed their whole lives were changed in a matter of a couple hours, yeah. you know, so, you know, in other places as well, you know, Israel, uh, Gaza, that whole area, the way right. people have their lives completely are changed. Mm -hmm. So you know, in America, we feel like, you know, when the internet goes out, oh my God, that's the biggest disruption in our lives. You know, we're all just like, yeah. how can that happen? Uh, oh my gosh, we lost, power for, or lost the power for the day because we had a thunderstorm. Oh my gosh. Ah, this is terrifying. But I mean, I'm not, I'm making fun of it, but you know, the perspective and right. putting it in the proper scale of, wait a minute here, the earth right. really is not, we're not all being treated the same way. Some mm -hmm. people do have it worse than others. And we need to acknowledge that. And we need to do what 
I think is one of the things that we're trying to break down are these old systems and to have, uh, I guess for me, you know, an awareness of uh, for all humans that we are love and oneness. Mm -hmm. This, when we go to the other side, those are the two main themes, love and this consciousness of oneness. And that hence every human and everything and everyone we're connected and we need to awaken ourselves to this truth and it is a truth and start treating mother earth one another and all sentient beings with respect and equality and we have got a long way to go in that uh journey i think i don't know what's going to have to happen to get people to become more aware in that world more people are waking up but i think some generations have to what I feel is it's like how we show up in the world. Um, I've seen this happened a couple of years ago. I decided I was going to chant the phrase, I am Christ consciousness because we all are. And I did it for 20 minutes on a drive back from my mom's to where I was living. And I stopped at a rest area and I literally am embodying Christ consciousness. I felt, I felt this sphere coming out like about 20 feet around me. And people were looking at me like, what is who? Like they, they're shock. And all I did was go, but like, I felt the shift in the dynamics of everyone. And I wasn't doing anything. I was just like aware of the fact that if I call that in, I can embody it. And that's how we shift is like, we bring that energy or whatever energy we're feeling. Like we consciously choose the intention of how we're going to show up. And That's how we shift the vibration. Even if it's like, you know, something as simple as like making eye contact with the grocery clerk and thanking them. Yes. That's going to have a ripple effect. So like every action we do, when we have the awareness to know that how we show up is going to have a ripple effect across the world. um, It's just this, this, it's a gift and it's a responsibility that we have to bring that awareness in. And even if we're feeling crappy, like, do I really want to share that crappiness with somebody else? Like the, the energy of the negativity of it, or just be vulnerable and saying, yeah, I'm feeling crappy because X, Y, Z, um, that's going to make a difference. Right. But like just being, thinking that our, how we show up in the world doesn't affect anyone is, one of the many limiting beliefs that we have. Yes, I would completely agree with you on that. And showing up means to me also starting with myself at the Mm -hmm. beginning of the day, what does my body need? What does my soul need? And there's a great exercise I take from Lee Harris at the beginning. If you journal, ask, what is it my soul wants to tell me today? Mm -hmm. Start that dialogue with your soul. And if you don't hear anything, don't give up, do it for 30 days straight. You know, what does my soul want to tell me today? Mm-hmm. And it may want to say you're beautiful, or yeah. I want to remind you that you're love, you yeah. know, and you're like, that seems kind of silly, but it, it's not. take it, you know, j- j- it's not, these are simple messages. And you know what I, my message is really simple, not to be afraid of death, but my gosh, you know, death is such a complex subject and you have to kind of take it in bite-sized pieces, but it is, you're dealing with fears. And I put a list in my book. I mean, it can be everything from 
you know, what kind of legacy am I going to leave or am I going to die alone or uh, is it going to be painful? And I'll tell you right now, death itself is not painful. The dying process may be depending on your diagnosis and your resistance to death mm -hmm. uh, can be painful, not only for you, but your family members. But we need to start doing a better job preparing for death because just like any transition, getting married, having kids, going to college, we prepare for that. We just don't all of a sudden do it. The only one we don't prepare for is death. And so many families become fractured at these funerals. And if you look at the word funeral, it says fun at the beginning. And I've never been to a funeral, Sophia, you know, where there was fun. I had a mentor. <laughs> I had a mentor. of life, yeah, but not fun. <laughs> I, had, I had a mentor who said, you know, ultimately, when we get past this program of having to have a traumatic death, we, get, we, we already know when we're going to die. Like our soul knows when we're going to, what the contract is. So when we connect with that, we can plan the party. Yeah. Like, okay, this is my last day on earth. This is what we want to do. I love you very much. And then I'm going to lie down and leave. And that's eventually where we're going to get to. And oh my gosh, how much fun would that be? Yeah. And we don't need someone saying, oh, please don't go. Please don't go, you right. know, and, and wait till so-and-so gets here, you know, right. you will have already healed or had have mm -hmm. you will have already closed those loops in the relationship right. at your earthly level right um and that's why you feel ready when you're ready to go mm -hmm. and so many people choose to go alone when everybody else is out of the room you know because they don't want all that energy around them trying to pull them in and keep right. them alive right. and that's why you know dnrs and all of that it's everybody in the family needs to be on the same page it needs to be written down it needs to be understood yeah. so that because you get in your emotions when the crisis happens or when the time gets close right. and you you start you're but you become irrational oh no right. i wanted to last a little bit longer or him and instead of honoring what the person wanted the mm -hmm. entire time and mm -hmm. so you make it about yourself instead of about them and right. you start projecting onto them. And then, you know, it really oh, is important that um, you, we start talking to our kids about it. My right. sister, unfortunately, her husband passed away from ALS at a 51. They had a 10 year old and a 14 year old at the time. And the 10 year old asked, you know, mommy, um, are you going to die anytime soon? And she said, you know, no, I'm going to be here. And I said to her later, I said, you know, you can't guarantee that. Right. Um, and so if you're a single parent and your child says, you know, they're scared that you're going to die, you need to be honest at an age appropriate level and explain mm -hmm. to them look, death can happen to any of us. I'm going to, I take care of myself the best I can in terms of my health. There's no indication I'm going to die, but something could happen. An accident could happen or something could lead me in a state where I'm not able to function properly as your mother. And this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to go live with aunt Nicole and uncle James, and they're going to take care of you. And I provided for you. Um, and I don't want you to worry about that, but the truth is it could happen to any of us at any time. So I don't want to mislead you with that. Right. Right. And that, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that our culture is in the 19, in the 18 and 1900s, um, in Maine anyways, cause I used to live in Maine. Um, they set up funeral, um, cemeteries as parks. Hmm. And there's a skating rink in a park in Portland, Maine. Um, 
like it's a pond, but it freezes over and you can go ice skating on it and, and you could have picnics there. I mean, it was set up to have picnics at, at, so it was like, it's like, yes, my family died, but you know, I can come visit the bones or talk to them in the spirit world. And that was a good way for them at the time to communicate with them. And it became like part of life. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't pushed away as like, oh, I don't want to talk about death. This is a scary thing. It was like, no, well, we just die. Like the animals die, the humans die, the trees died, everyone dies. So it's part of life. And it's something that we've either forgotten or we've been programmed to forgotten or whatever, but to bring it back into the balance that it needs to be. And knowing that it's not an end of the spirit, it's just an end of the body interacting with the spirit because the body is the vessel through which the spirit works. That's um, right. And I know for a fact, I came back cause I love food. <laughs> <laughs> I love food. I love nature. I love, you know, like I love animals, like, and all those things I want to experience. So like my soul's like, okay, we're on it. We're coming back. Um, but I also want to be able to be fully heart centered and I try um, I succeed sometimes and to connect. And part of that is experiencing all, all that life has to offer. Yeah. And it's the balance also between our humanity and our spirituality. You know, we're both, we live in this world. And so of course, when someone we love dies, there's going to be grief, there's right. going to be suffering, pain, loss, and we have to be we have to carefully and compassionately hold and heal that for that person. Mm -hmm. But the cosmic context, Sophia, is benevolent and right. extraordinary. And when you really know that true context, it enables you to live a happier life and mm -hmm. prepare for your own graceful passing and also so, to support other loved ones as they, you know, approach their own transition as well. well yeah. Because we're, we're eternal. Yes. It's just that this, this particular, you know, I chose this particular body. You chose your particular body and our life paths for a learning experience because our soul wanted to experience life in a certain way that we hadn't experienced before. And so we chose this trajectory to learn more. Like I know, for example, I have cooked many, many lifetimes because I make stuff I've never made before. I'm like, how did that come? I don't know how that, but it's not me. It's it's my soul coming through to show me things that I, I know already yeah. that I, that want to come through now. And so like, as we connect more with the spirit, we can open ourselves to those other experiences and previous iterations of us to, for the full expression of the soul. Yeah. And a lot of times those past lives are where we got stuck in mm -hmm. a limiting belief system yep. and was were told that we weren't worthy or acceptable or loved. And so we keep coming in with different um, families to replay it. And we never are able to leave the planet having resolved it. And it's like, that's why my memory came back is like, you're not going to go through all this again, Nicole, you're going to get it. You have a soul family. Okay. We all have soul families as mm -hmm. well. And this is why you're here. Yeah. And it's been, um, an amazing journey on one front, but it's also been hard and it's been painful. And I do have physical challenges that I have to manage in days when I have migraines and can't, you know, I'm in total darkness and it, it's like, okay, um, 
that's today, you know, and we'll see what tomorrow brings. But I, I do want to, you know, honor that we are human as well. And we have to deal with that humanity part, but we need to put more emphasis on developing our relationship with the soul and communicating with the soul and understanding if you've been in a trauma that there's a good possibility you've had something called soul loss, which is a fracturing of your soul during the trauma mm -hmm. in order to protect yourself. But you mm -hmm. need to be able to get those parts that are out floating around and disassociating, uh, you need to be able to get them back in. So whether you use a shaman, a hypnotherapist, or you know you call them back in yourself, you've got to get your spirit or your soul whole again. Because mm -hmm. I didn't know that when I was doing my going through my healing journey. Yeah. And so 2019, I actually did a soul retrieval. Cool. And if I'm going to just really briefly tell you yeah. the three symptoms, if you are experiencing a soul wound, I mean, we have a flesh wound that has to heal. We have mental health wounds that have to heal. So it makes sense that our soul, if it's traumatized, uh, would fracture and needs to be healed, healed. So the first one is you don't want to be here. Okay. I knew that when I was coming back from the other side, I didn't want to be here. Okay. Second is a low level, consistent feeling that something is missing. Mm -hmm. Now, it's interesting to note that many compulsive behaviors and addictions actually fall under this. And I can clearly see now the link between my compulsive overeating, which is now known as binge eating disorder. I had it for 20 years from age 20 wow. to age 40 wow. uh, until I got married. And um, and it really came from a place of emptiness Mm -hmm. uh, loneliness and depression because mm -hmm. I had disconnected from the concept of the God that I was raised with, but I didn't get my memory back of what mm -hmm. going to the other side. So I had that 20 year gap. Yeah. And then the third one is you can't get over something. You just can't get over it. It keeps looping. And for me, it was my chronic health, uh, situation and because I took on the belief system that I was a sick person and mm -hmm. that my family, um, thinks less of sick people, okay? Whether it's mentally or physically, you're somehow less than not good enough if you're constantly having health conditions. Um, and, and that was very hard because that's yeah. the only acceptable way to get out of doing something is, oh, she's sick. And then you get, oh, okay, well, then we understand. And a lot of people use that. It's it's the get out of jail card free. I'm sick. Right. You know, instead of being able to use your voice and say, no, I don't want to do this. Or no, you can't treat me this way. No, you can't talk to me this way. <laughs> and I was very hyper vigilant about keeping myself safe, which is an illusion to think that you can control other drivers and other things. But it's it was all part of my journey. So I really wish I had known earlier, Sophia, that, um, you know, this was unavoidable and necessary at the time of my trauma, mm -hmm. but neglecting these hurt fragments that that really just caused me to be uh, more depressed. Right. And just like any other wound that I was talking about, you, it has to undergo some healing at some point. Right. And the soul retrieval is a very powerful tool that you can use. And what we're dealing here is with the spiritual, the hidden realm. And I'm here to tell you, it's a very real thing. Mm-hmm. I've had a soul retrieval. I've had <laughs> so many different modalities of things going on with me to like really heal all those parts of me. Like today I had a session and we went to a part of me that 
neither one of us had ever experienced it. It was like this deep old belief that we couldn't even articulate, but I felt it. And we pulled it out from this pit and pulled it out and put it in the violet flame of St. Germain to transmute it. And as we're doing that, I am feeling like more light come in and there's no physical tangible evidence of it, but it happened because I feel it. So it's like, just because we can't see it doesn't mean it's real. Yeah. And, and, you know, the thing that it's like my experience on the other side and hundreds of thousands of other people's experience, you know, if we can document enough to get these themes, they're all consistent, Mm -hmm. you know, then there's something to that. Okay. I used to work at CDC where everything had to be empirically, you know, researched and all of that, like you in the academia world. And, you know, what I know now is to um, let go of all that and to trust the flow of life mm-hmm. that, you know, when you're in alignment and you're believing that God is our the creator, everything is working for you. It's mm-hmm. not working against you, but when you're in fear, you think things are working against you. Right. So it's a hard thing to, to remember, but I just want people to know that, you know, if you're in fear of death, you're really not going to truly live your life. And that's what I want you to do is truly live your life, experience the nature, the food, the sensations on this planet, because it is a beautiful place that we have to live and to do your part to contribute to to make it even be- more beautiful. How's that? <laughs> that was beautiful. That was beautiful. I was just pausing to, to receive that. I am so grateful for my time with you, Nicole. And I want to ask one final question. Yes. Of course. How do people find you? Well, you can come to the Outer Banks of North Carolina, but um, the best way is on my website, www.nicolekerr.com. Uh, I will send you the first uh, chapter of the book for free. I want my book to be in book clubs because I have a whole section of book club questions. Oh, I love that. I- I want people to read about and talk about death and what their concept is of death. Okay. And it's important. And if you share this in a book club, you're going to know at an intimate level, what people's fears are. And you, you will lighten the load of everybody. If we start talking about this, Um, it's it's on Amazon, it's on Barnes and Noble. It's it's your independent book dealer. It's less than, it's, I did the Audible myself, had to go back into therapy, but yes, it is on Audible. And if you go on my Sorry. if you go on my website, I actually under You Are Deathless, I have all the book images because I put pictures oh. in here, you know, of the car crash. I put the oh. pictures of um like, you know, that's the first time they took a picture of me, oh. which was four weeks. Um the first time I sat up, I passed out because I had been in the bed for so long, but, you know, I try to, to put some pictures in there uh, of my angels and connections like that. So, um, it's like, it's $9 and 99 cents. What is that? A Frappuccino or a cafe latte and a croissant. (laughs) So, uh, you know, this has something that will give you something to think about. It took me 13 years to write it. It it comes from my heart. It helped to heal me as I wrote it. Mm. And I just want people 
to, I want it to be effective in helping others not to fear death. And it's an alternative way maybe than you've been raised in and seeing God as nothing but love and energy and light. And to me, that is the greatest gift. Thank you so much for the work you do in the world and the light you're sharing and all that you are. I'm so grateful to know you. And I'm so well, same here. Time. It's been a delight, an absolute delight. A little bit of heaven, as we'd say down here in the mm -hmm. South. <laughs> <laughs> well, I bid you a beautiful rest of your day, Nicole. And thank you Namaste. so much. Preservation of our soul shine. I can feel it yours and mine. Close your eyes and witness it inside. In your bones, you will know. Trust and let go. And let it flow.